Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Beers and Ballots, the only show where we talk Wisconsin news and drink Wisconsin brews. This week, what happens when an extraordinary session meets with a special election? Plus, we dive deep into next week's prize fight for the Supreme Court seat. I'm Adam. And I'm Stephen. And Stephen, what are we drinking this week? Okay, this week we've got Cashmere Hammer, a nitro stout from Three Sheeps Brewing Company. All right, so it's a nitro and it's in a bottle. It's nitro in a bottle. Okay. Uh, so let's open this thing up and yeah. And you said you had to go to two grocery stores to pick this up. Yeah, this was right? sold out at the first one I went to, so wow. it must be popular. Maybe uh, listeners of the pod are uh, buying it out. Ooh, a nice micro foam here from the nitro. Let's yeah, looks good. Oh yeah, that's real good. It's really good. Yeah, so this is this is um, small brewery Three Sheeps from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This beer is. Uh, available all year round, and they call it the best darn milkshake you've ever had. That's how they describe it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty apt. It's like mm-hmm. it's very creamy. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Got some chocolatey in there. Um, it's like mid alcoholic, six point five percent, kind of low IBUs, and you know, it's it's just a nice stout. Um, nitro is always interesting. It's always good to get kind of a milk nitro stout. Mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a popular national brand which we won't mention here on the on the Wisconsin <laughs> podcast. You mean which, the, an, an international brand? Oh, uh, really? Um, Guinness? The, no, the oh oh there's oh the, yeah. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. sorry. What were you thinking? Of? I was thinking of the uh, the left hand one. Milk stout. Uh, oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. Nowhere near as good as this. this no, beautiful no, no, Wisconsin no. beer. No, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. No, three sheeps. We're we're into it. Yeah. yeah. No, it tastes real good. Mm. So this week's setup is a little bit different from normal, as you might be able to tell from the intro. So this week we're just uh, splitting this up into two sections. So first we're going to talk about what's happening right now in the uh, Wisconsin Congress. So there's a special election, which might be happening. There's also an extraordinary session, which might stop the special election from happening. But we'll get into that in more detail in just a bit. Then after the break, we're going to talk about uh, the Supreme Court uh, election that's happening next week. So next Tuesday, there is an election. If you want to know some more information about the two candidates, uh, stay tuned. But for now, let's talk about the special election. Okay, Adam, you're up first this week. What have you got for us? Yeah, so this, uh, as I mentioned, has to do with the special election. Um, So, as you might remember, past December, Governor Walker appointed uh, Senator Frank Lassie and Representative Keith Ritt um, to special positions, uh, which pulled them out of their positions in Congress, leaving those seats open. And this is one seat in the Senate, the first, and one in the Assembly. That's right. 42nd. Yeah, yeah. So, one in the Senate and one in the Assembly. Um, Both of these uh, members were Republicans, or are Republicans. Um, and so now there are these seats left open. And as we mentioned previously, um, by state law, uh, it has been argued anyways, that there needs to be a special election for those two seats. Um, it has also been argued by Scott Walker's team that there does not need to be a special election. Um, and recently, this past Thursday, Dane County Circuit uh, Judge Josanne Reynolds um, determined that uh, Walker had a duty 
under state law to hold these special elections and fill these seats. Um, I have a quote here from her. She says, to state the obvious, if the plaintiffs have a right to vote for their representatives, they must have an election to do so. Um, this is obviously from the Republican side, uh, drawn a lot of criticism. So for instance, uh, the, assembly, the leader of the assembly, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, um, described this judge as an activist Dane County judge who had injected her own personal opinion into how we conduct elections. Mm. Now, I mean, to be fair, this is what the law said. As we described in a previous episode, the law is very clear as to when they should hold these elections. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, this judge had a particular quote, which I like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. which is that the Walker's interpretation of the law was, quote, absurd in his application. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. the Republicans weren't so happy with that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, and I can see why. And, you know, it, one of the themes that we'll be talking about a lot with um, judgeships is bias, right? That's right. Previously, judges used to be kind of viewed as these non-political uh, entities and now there's more politics coming in and so that's I think what Robin Voss was sort of saying is hey look this is a judge is clearly a Democrat right and they're just coming in from this urban area and they're just making these decisions for the state the problem is <laughs> um, Judge Josanne Reynolds is actually appointed by Scott Walker in 2014 uh, okay yeah yeah so this is actually um, not a case, pretty clearly not a case of uh, of bias, I think, of any sort of political bias. And I mean, to be fair, look, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not, but the law is like incredibly clear as to when elections should be held and they should be held. Um, so this apparently was a very easy decision to make. Um, and the, the counter argument, so like, so that, of course there's this legal counter argument that they made, which was totally asinine, right? It had something to do with the, the exact wording, right? Like, yeah, like in the election year. Yeah, yeah, there was... It, it, it was sort of implied that only seats vacated between January and May of the election year could be filled, and every other seat had to wait up to two years. Right, yeah, which is, of course, like completely ridiculous, right? Um, like the longer you wait, the less chance you have to get filled. It's like... Right, right, yeah. No, it, it, it made absolutely no sense. And so, like, the that was the legal argument that they had, which the judge reasonably concluded was totally ridiculous. The more, um, the more sensible approach that, that is not, does not have a legal basis, but does sort of make sense is that, look, you know, as we talked about, um, the assembly and the Senate are, uh, out of session now. That's right. And they will be for the rest of the year. And so having a special election, they argue, doesn't really serve a lot of purpose, right? Because those, uh, that, the Congress is not in session. But um, this judge noted that, you know, of course there could be special sessions coming in, in the coming months. And or, it's important. Or even, or even this week. Extraordinary yeah. sessions. <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> sessions. Yeah, that's right. Special or even extraordinary <laughs> sessions in the coming months. Um, and she cites particularly if, if the Supreme Court um, decides. Uh, Supreme Court of the U.S., you mean? Yes, the U.S. Supreme Court um, uh, comes down with a decision with regards to gerrymandering, which is something that um, mm -hmm. will be happening over the next coming months. Um, so, it, and, and I think even if it's not that, it's going to be something, right? There's always going to be some special session or extraordinary session mm -hmm. where they say, oh boy, I guess we're going to have to come back from our, you know, eight-month vacation and right. <laughs> actually vote on something, right? 
And uh, speaking of extraordinary sessions, I, I think there's one coming up, isn't that right? Yeah, sorry. So <laughs> there's been lots of legal wrangling trying to get all the bills passed before everyone goes home. Right. Um, but they're actually adding one more extraordinary session to their plate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so there's one coming up this week, right? That's that, right, to try to finish off all the Senate and Assembly bills. Right, um, right, which is something we talked about last week, right? right? The Senate, the Assembly had already finished, and the Senate was then voting to change some things, meaning that the Assembly would have to re-vote on it, right? right? So there was an extraordinary session for that, but you're saying there's an additional extraordinary session. That's right, session. an even more extraordinary session. <laughs> um, so, so I would so say within... So run out of adjectives yes. soon. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know the exact timeline, but it seemed like almost minutes after this court case came out, um, there was calls from the uh, House and the uh, Senate to the Assembly and the, and the Senate to um, change the laws, basically, to make these special elections not happen. Okay. And in okay. particular, um, last Friday, the, um, um, Voss uh, called for this um uh, these new laws try to change the how special elections work, and before they even sort of unveiled what changes they want to make, Scott Walker said, "Yep, sounds good to me." So <laughs> uh, now on Tuesday here, we've we've seen what changes they want to make, and you know they're admittedly modest changes. Basically, currently under state law, two months after vacancy happens, you have to call special. Uh, no sooner than two months after the vacancy happens, you have to call special election. Okay. Um, so if there's a vacancy two months or less than two months prior to a normal election, you wouldn't have to call a special election. Well, so if this happened in, in say, like August, well, so you actually, wouldn't have to call. Uh, the oh, way no. it works under current law, yeah, maybe we should back up a little. The okay, way it yeah, works sorry. under current law is that you can't, uh, you shouldn't call a special election after May. So that's the sort of before oh, May you have to call a special election. But the other thing is is that you have to wait two months after a vacancy. I see. So that would kind okay. of give you anywhere in between, you know, March and before you okay. have to call special elections. Okay. This would increase that to four months. So you have to wait four months after a vacancy to call a special mm. election. And it would also say that you can't call any special elections after the spring election, which this year is going to actually be next Tuesday, April 3rd. Oh, I see. So it both pushes back the amount of time you have to wait and the sort of cutoff date. That's right. Okay. So where would that put the new <laughs> the new end? Right? Basically, uh, to the end, of, the end of November okay. 2017 for this calendar would, be, would have been the last time. So it, this will work retroactively. That's right. So in fact, okay. they've specifically said in the bill, regardless of any court like possible court <laughs> actions. Well, why have elections at all, right? I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, I, I think I understand in principle the, the idea, right? The idea is that, I mean, to be fair, they don't really do anything in this time. So That's right. So, I mean... The, and it costs the state money, right, to hold these elections. Right. So so it's 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 two things. It's, it's the money. Okay, you don't have the special election if they're not doing anything. Right. And they say it's confusing because... Uh, because these are so close together, you'd have people basically campaigning for their special election and also probably for their for their general election. Right. It, yeah. I mean, it just seems very sensible. It just seems so uh, undemocratic to change the laws after you know after you've been told to do it one way to yeah. do it retroactively. It yeah. So. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I think that there's a really good point to be made here about the fact that. I mean, we're, we're talking about almost a full year that people would That's be right. without representation in the state. That's right. I mean, we go from December to, to November, right? Exactly. And so I'll just end this segment by saying that um, this comes at a kind of odd time because 
the judge has given the uh, assembly, well, sorry, the judge has given Walker until the 29th of March to call a special election. And okay. the extraordinary session that would address these changes wouldn't happen until April 4th. Okay. So they, they also would need the judge to allow them to push back this ruling. And we'll have to see if, if the judge will allow them to do that. You must imagine that the judge is not going to be very happy about this. No, no. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's particularly open to that idea. And yeah. I, I think that even if this were to pass, this is just such good fodder, right, for for attack ads on, on every member, every Republican member of the Assembly and the right. and, and, and Senate. I'm, like, actually very surprised. So, yeah, I, I understand them not wanting to have Democrats in these two seats, or, or even the risk of Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, so that's, to back up even more, that's the core issue here, right, is right. that... There's a lot of enthusiasm on the Democratic side and I think a lot of fear of Republicans, but this is not doing them any favors. I no. don't understand this move at all. Well, you, mu- you must imagine that some of it is just that people don't aren't going to hear about this. Um, and you wonder, although, how, how much of an issue that Democrats can try to make this in, in the election. Yeah, yeah, that's no. true. And, and I guess there's sort of, you know, the, the outcry from the Democratic side, that can always um, lead to sort of, you know, fodder for for the Republicans, right? For instance, Eric Holder, uh, uh, Barack Obama's former attorney general, is one of the most outspoken uh, opponents of this move, right? He's uh, in charge of the group that is suing the state on behalf of voters in Wisconsin. That's right. And so I think that that, in some ways, they could maybe spin that, right? You have this outside group that's influencing the way that Wisconsin works. But I don't know. I, I think that it's anyone with even sort of a passing knowledge of this issue, it, it doesn't look good for the Republicans. No, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll see whether or not um, this judge is willing to push back that date to April 4th to, to allow the uh, Assembly and the Senate to change this law. Okay, so Adam, we're, you're going to start us off in our Supreme Court deep dive. That's here. right, deep dive, yeah. Um, yeah, so the election is next week. Um, and so here we're talking about the main issue on the ballot, which is uh, filling a spot on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Last week we talked about the other um, statewide initiative, which is to get rid of the uh, state treasurer position. If you want to learn more about that, you can listen to last week's episode. Um, there's also going to be lots of local initiatives for you to vote on, so make sure you do research on your own, uh, especially about judges. Um, that's one of the big ones in every county. There's lots of judges. But for now, the Supreme Court spot, there's two main candidates. I'm going to be talking about Rebecca Dallant, and then you're going to be talking about uh, Skrennick. Yep. What's his first name? Michael. Michael. Michael Skrennick. So Rebecca Dallet is the more uh, liberal of the two candidates. Um, she uh, lives in Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. She earned a uh, BA in economics from Ohio State University. The and Ohio State University. The Ohio State University, excuse me. Uh, and then she got her law degree from Case Western uh, in 1994. Uh, she's been an ADA for the uh, Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office. Um, she's an adjunct professor of law at uh, Marquette University. 
she has been a judge for 10 years. She was first elected to the position uh, as in the Milwaukee County Circuit Court in 2008 and then re-elected in 2014. I believe both of those elections she ran unopposed. Um, but yeah, so a lot of experience. Um, and she's gotten a lot of endorsements from uh, other judges as well as you know, Tammy Baldwin, Pocan, etc. Um, yeah, so she was a, a prosecutor for a decade, decade as a judge. Um, she's taught students as a law professor. She's worked county, state, federal levels. Um, and uh, she was Milwaukee County's first presiding female court commissioner. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, she's definitely liberal. Um, and so this is definitely one of the um, uh, roots of attack that more conservative forces in the state have leveled against her. Um, most prevalently lately, there's been um, some audio of her that Republicans have circulated um, from an appearance that she made at a fundraiser in San Francisco in which she basically said, hey, your values here in San Francisco are great. I feel like that's sort of what we're lacking in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know whenever anyone who's running, anyone who's running for any office uh, kind of slights the place of the running and it's, it's never good. Um, would she clarify what she meant um, in saying that basically what she was referring to primarily was an independent judiciary, but she also mentions, you know, clean air and water, working people's rights, public education, um, valuing that more. So I think, you know, she, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's really helpful or not, but basically she said, yeah, no, the problem is, is that we're not as liberal as I feel like we should be, which, you know, to some sounds great, uh, but not to all. On the whole, though, she is fairly unbiased. Um, so we talked about Eric Holder earlier and how he um, has been pushing a lot of issues in the state of Wisconsin. Um, one of those is that he's um, put campaign money towards Dalit, buying her ads. Um, and so recently she said that she would unequivocally recuse herself from any case that um, would come before her that involves Eric Holder, um, which um, was definitely a line of attack that uh, um, Skrennick's team has used against her. Um, she then turned it on Skrennick uh, at this live event saying, would you make the same commitment to recuse yourself? Uh, I see. Right. And of course, he, he can't say yes, right? Because there's a lot of, he gets a lot of money from a lot of different groups, including, you know, the NRA, Republican Party of Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, right? And so he can't say yes. So it was, it was a real gotcha moment where he said, no, I, I can't recuse myself. Additionally, the Wisconsin State Journal, which is a, a fairly conservative um, uh, paper, um, who was very critical of, of Tim Burns, uh, who ran in the primary, claiming that he was incredibly biased, a Democrat, Actually, and they actually ended up endorsing Dale over Skrennick. Huh. Yeah. So I think that the, that more than anything is sort of an indication that she is um, at least less biased than the way that she is uh, portrayed to be. So, Stephen, what about Skrennick? Yeah. So as you mentioned, Skrennick is the more conservative judge in these head-to-head uh, -head race. Um, and you've, you've already sort of touched on a little bit of the some of the backing he's gotten. So... To, to put that in more detail, outside groups have spent about $12 million uh, since 2017 um, compared to about $6 million by liberal groups on uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court races. Mm. And in general, um, in particular in this race, uh, 
Before the February 20th primary, the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce Group, which really fights against um, uh, regulation for businesses, has right. spent $600,000, um, and the Republican Party gave um, more than 142000 to Skrennick. So this is, he's a candidate who's supported by Republican Party um, politics and other interest groups that also support Dem- uh, Republican candidates. And he has said on the record that he would not recuse himself in cases involving those groups. He said, of course, these groups support me because I'm an unbiased judge. He's going to see the law through. So mm-hmm. that's why they support me kind of thing. Um, and so to back up, um, let's give him some background here. Uh, I found one good article that said that he was a great tuba player. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So maybe he'll do, be, be doing that on the bench. Sure. Um, he, as a young man, uh, he's most maybe notoriously known for being arrested twice for blocking access to abortion clinics in Madison. Um, and when asked about these actions recently, he said, not something I've ever regretted doing, quote. So, I see. Yes, so he, he was um, you know, strong um, anti-abortion activist uh, in a youth, and not necessarily that that's something that would influence him on the bench, but you certainly think that that must be where some conservative groups are, are looking to him um, now. Um, so I have a quick fact check here. Yeah. Um, it is actually very difficult to play the tuba while sitting on the bench. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, one stands up while playing the tuba. I see. So, so okay, wouldn't be doing that on the bench. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Thank okay. you very much for that. Please continue. Yes. Um, so he worked as a city administrator in Reedsburg, Washington, Washburn, Ashland, um, and before getting a law degree, and then um, that was for twelve years. He got a law degree in two thousand six, and then often worked. Uh, with law firms that represented state uh, Republicans. In particular, he worked to defend Act 10, this law about uh, unions in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And he also worked on the recent Republican redistricting campaign. Mm -hmm. So he's worked with Republican groups in the past. And in 2015, he was uh, appointed by Governor Walker um, to the circuit court in in Sauk County. Mm -hmm. And so he's been seeing... A lot of uh, drug cases there and some other yeah. uh, some, some more minor sort of issues there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Dells, although they have some great rides, definitely have a lot of uh, drug issues. Unfortunate, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I, I imagine that that is a lot of uh, mm-hmm. what he's seen there. Mm-hmm. And so in endorsements, he, uh, as we mentioned, he's been endorsed by the NRA, um, other anti-abortion groups. Um, Conservative justices on the Supreme Court, uh, Gableman, Bradley, Kelly, also former justices Prosser and Wilcox, um, also 40 circuit court justices. And this is the part that he really likes to trump up. He He's supported by the majority of the state's uh, county sheriffs, okay. so about 60% or so or more. Uh, so he says that basically people who know crime and understand crime support him and they want... Um, I listened to the candidates forum yesterday and you, uh, he talks a lot about how um, you know people who fight who you know fight crime. They don't want the laws to change under their feet, kind of thing. And well, so, at least sixty percent of them. <laughs> yes, yeah, they're forty percent. Sixty percent is not like I mean, it's a majority, but but barely. Right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know how much I buy that. I didn't realize it was that that low. Yeah, that's right. So he's been endorsed by 44 out of 72, uh, it's about 61% of the of the sheriffs. So the yeah. other the other 40ish percent are fine with the ground moving under their feet. Right. But yeah, these yeah, ones yeah. he says are they really want someone who keeps mm-hmm. the law intact. So that's actually kind of the 
the belief behind him. He says, the court's only job is to interpret and apply the laws, not to rewrite them, quote, and not to veto policy choices made by the governor, quote, not to include new stuff that never existed in our laws. So this might be the cashmere hammer talking. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, of course, right? Like, that's... Well, I mean, so here's the thing, right? You have three co-equal branches of the government, Uh and we've long established that one of the roles of the Supreme Court, both in the U.S. and the states, is act as, like, judicial review to, like, say a law is unconstitutional or not. Right. And so the question is, is the Constitution supposed to be interpreted word for word, or is it written intentionally somewhat vague so that it updates? I see. So so he's... Okay, I, I understand now more what he's... So so you're saying that he, it's it's this static versus living document That's argument. That's right. Yeah, and, and I think uh, um, Dallin has cited uh, one of her big influencers, or one of her big idols is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right. who's a big proponent of, of the philosophy of... that the, the Constitution is a living document. That's right. Yeah. And so I think this is a... a fine debate to have. I mean, I will say that if you take a history class in the U.S., you will learn about lots of interesting Supreme Court decisions, and they're all living document cases about, you know, Brown versus the Board of Education and all these ones. And I think people would say, hey, these are great decisions. Well, they're all living document kind of decisions. And so... (laughs) so, I do not disagree. So I think the, you know, I'm firmly, anyway, but there's, there's definitely something to be said about the living document interpretation of this. But uh, I think conservative justices kind of have a, an advantage here by saying, I only interpret the laws as written, and as if that's the only job of a judge. Yeah. Whereas, whereas really, there is this debate about the living document. So, so I suppose that's, I mean, at the risk of editorializing, right? Um, I guess, you know, it's our podcast. We can editorialize right. if we want. Um, I mean, of, of course it's your job to interpret these laws, right? I That's mean, to, to, literally the job of the right, courts, right? Well, I mean, to, to, to say that, like, you're, oh, well, I'm a judge who just cares about the law. Well, that's what every judge cares about, right? That's right. To, to paint yourself as someone who doesn't have any biases is incredibly disingenuous. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that this is a person that has been, literally has been arrested for committing crimes and says that he did not regret it. That can't be someone who just cares about the law. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not making a comment whether or not that was morally right or wrong thing to do. I have opinions on that, which I won't get into. But, <laughs> but I mean, the fact is, is that you can't paint yourself as someone who uh, purely is concerned with the letter of the law when you say that you have broken the law and you do not regret it. That's right. Yeah. Anyways, that's yeah. rant over. Sorry, podcast <laughs> listeners. Well, yeah. So, so to finish up on on. On Skrennick here, um, you know, we mentioned that one of the his big supporters is this WMC group that uh, fights against um, a regulatory uh, environment in Wisconsin. Um, so one of the earlier ads run by him, by this group talked about that Skrennick has a history of, quote, throwing the book at murderers, abusers, and predators, as all judges should. And so it quoted some cases where he gave significant sentences and... Those definitely cases existed. There's also other cases where he was less harsh. But I think this actually brings up a bigger point about this whole issue uh, and this race, which is that both candidates are trying to become the really hard-on-crime candidates. And I don't know if this is something particular about hmm. Wisconsin or or um, something that you have to do as a as a as someone running for judge. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, right, that that's the way that he's trying to market himself. Because actually, I mean, according to like an impartial analysis that was conducted by USA uh, today, network 
2015, which, to be fair, was before uh, Skrennick was a judge. That's right. But so this analysis identified Dallin as one of the three harshest, harshest sentencer, sentencers, <laughs> excuse me, harshest sentencers in Wisconsin. And that's a harsh sentence to say. It is. Well. It is. Well, especially after you've had uh, <laughs> half of your cashmere hammer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, both of these these candidates are really playing up their, their harsh on crime um, beat. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Supreme Court is mostly a appeals court. It sees... Um, you know, challenges to the law, it sees appeals, and so they're really not focused on handing down sentences in, in most cases. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, I guess this is this maybe just what appeals to, to the voters. Thing yeah, I mean, being tough on crime is what you usually, like, want, what, what some people, anyways, really want to judge. But when mm-hmm. it comes to the Supreme Court uh, ju- justice, I'm not quite sure that that is really that applicable. Although yeah. I suppose that is the the most relevant experience that these two have had, That's is right. being judges. So, and you mentioned, for instance, um, just to put this, um, just to put Skrennick's experience in context. So, uh, you said that he got his law degree in 2006. So, that was 12 years after uh, Rebecca Dallet got her degree. Um, Additionally, he was uh, made a judge in 2015. That was uh, seven years after Rebecca Dallet was. So, on the experience front, Rebecca Dallet certainly has the edge. That's right. But, I mean, Skrennick definitely has experience as a judge. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has, he's been a lawyer before that and worked in government before that. So he has experience there. Yeah, no, I, I think but, neither of these candidates are, are you know, joke candidates or, yes, right. or, or any of these sort of outliers that you've mm-hmm. heard about on the national scale. I think it really comes down to um, how you think they're going to rule over issues. And I, I don't think that the way to portray it is simply... You know, there is one law and it's exactly as written and I'm going to do it versus someone's going to do something crazy different. They're all they're both interpreting the laws in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's whether or not you feel like you want a, an interpretation of the law that uh, scales back a lot of things or interpretation of the law that sort of has this, uh, you know, way to look forward. And, and I'm, you know, there's lots of different ways to look. Where yeah, that that's in. that's absolutely right. Yeah. And I, and I think that that. Um, that way of thinking is really useful also when thinking about uh, local races as well. Again, just to reiterate, um, what we've been talking about is the Supreme Court uh, justice race. You will also, next Tuesday, when you do vote, there will also be other uh, elections you will be asked to vote on. Um, A lot of local county judges. So it's really important before you go to the polls to do your research on those races specifically. That's right. And and, and again, there's also going to be this uh, statewide state treasurer race um, and, and other school board races. So, yes, so absolutely. You can get info on the state treasurer race from our last podcast and definitely look to see what's going to be on your ballot. Um, where can listeners go to find out what's on their ballot? So there's a website, myvote, all one word, .wi.gov. Um, you should always trust the .gov uh, URLs. If it's not .gov, it is probably someone trying to trick you. So myvote.wi.gov. Um, if you go to that website, you can go to a link, preview my ballot. You can enter in your street address, and I will come a list of all the things that you will be voting on next Tuesday. Um, and so... If you want, if you want to vote, of course you do next Tuesday. But you have not yet registered. 
Don't fear, you can register at the polls. There are ways to do it. We did a podcast on this a few weeks back. You might have to listen to a few podcasts before you find it because I don't remember which one it was. But that's okay because, you know. That's right. Get our, get our listenership up. Yeah, get our listenership up. Get more listens. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so if you have uh, not registered yet, you can do it at the polls. You need um, identification to do it. Um, if you're a UW student, your UW ID is not enough. You need more than that. Um, you can either find that information online or listen to previous episodes of our podcast to learn more. And if you've been looking at a lot of these national elections and said, wow, like, you know, um, my candidate of interest, there's a lot of interest in behind them and mm-hmm. there's a lot of support. Well, these are really low turnout, really low information races. Every single vote counts. I think there was a special election in Pennsylvania yeah. where it really came down to two, you know, ten votes it, kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> These things, I mean, local elections are the most important ones to vote in because they're the ones where, statistically speaking, your voice will count the most. That's right. Um, so it's really important that um, you turn out next Tuesday, tell your friends, and let them know it's okay if you haven't registered. You can do it at the polls as long as you uh, bring the necessary materials. And so, Stephen... Next week, which next week will be Wednesday because we want to cover the election. So right. next Wednesday, what are we drinking? Well, um, surprise, surprise, brand new release of the Martian Sunrise. It's back from Carbon 4. Yes! So we're I'm re- so excited, Stephen. I cannot yes, tell you. Yes, yeah. we're returning to Madison to have <laughs> this beautiful... Um, Martian Sunrise beer. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to try it out. You say it, you've raved so I, much about it. I feel like I might be building up a little bit too much. No such thing. It is probably my favorite beer. Wow. Yeah. I, so I can't wait. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, so yeah, so next week, next Wednesday, we'll be drinking Carbon 4. Um, if you listen to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, make sure you subscribe because before Wednesday... There may or may not be a special treat headed your way in the form of a bonus podcast. Ooh. Yeah, sounds s- mysterious. Uh, if you just can't wait to uh, talk to us again, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at Beers and Ballots. Uh, feel free to tweet at us, like our tweets, retweet us, whatever you want to do. I don't really know how Twitter works, but we're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, until next week, or possibly even sooner. I'm Adam. And I'm Stephen. And we'll catch you all later. Um, of course, these groups support me because I'm a unbiased judge sorry. who... I just want to make sure... Yeah, we're still recording. Okay. Sorry, I was just really yeah. paranoid about that. <laughs>